There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use in your life, that you come away with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and are inspired to discover for yourself just how big and fulfilling your life, work, and leadership can be. And if you do catch fire from anything you hear, reach out and tell me about it. Email me at elise at elisecortez.com or use the contact me feature on my website to message me. Tell me how I can help you, whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community, you want information on my purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals or companies, or you want to see about having me speak for your company or conference. Either way, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us this week is Rana Zia. She is the author of the book, Your Hidden Light, A Personal Guide to Creating Your Desired Life. She is the former CFO, having spent 20 years in, in corporate finance, working for large Fortune 500 companies. We'll be talking about her journey that led her to writing the book and the work she's doing today and some of the key topics from the book. She joins us today from Wyckoff, New Jersey. Rana, welcome to Working on Purpose. Uh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad we found each other. I'm, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I am so glad we did. I think maybe we found each other online. Maybe you heard a show before, but in any rate, I'm so happy to be connected to you, and I'm a fan of what you're up to. I think it's really important, and I want to get as much as I can out of you out of the short time. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be talking about how we can create the lives we really desire. But before we do that, I think it's important to understand your earlier life and career and kind of what what led up to where, where you are today. So I want to first understand, why did you pursue a career in executive finance and why specifically mostly in the retail industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because where I am today is very different from where I've been. Uh, for me, honestly... You know, I was in college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and by the time I, the senior year rolled around and everybody was out there applying for jobs, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and all I knew is that I wanted to move to New York, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> um, and, and my cultural background, I'm, I'm um, Indian. My parents um, migrated here from India in the 1960s. I was born in this country, but from a cultural standpoint, you know, a professional career, what I only had in mind was either a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And I know, knew that I didn't want to do any of that. But I didn't really know what else there was out there. I really didn't. So in college, you know, there were a lot of banks that were recruiting on campus, and they were coming from New York. And for me, I thought, okay, that sounds very professional, you know, banking. And and I knew I was stronger in math as opposed to any of the sort of other liberal arts courses 
So I thought, okay, my parents would probably accept that. So I ended up getting a job in a bank, moved to New York City, and then I quickly found out that I wasn't really interested in banking, and I wanted to move into an industry. Um, and being in New York, of course, opened my eyes out that, wow, there's so many things you can do. Um, and so I ended up moving into a corporate finance job for HBO, um, initially thinking I'll get in from a finance standpoint, and once I'm in a company, I'll figure out what I really wanted to do. So I worked there. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was there for four and a half years, and during sort of the last year of uh, my job there, I met my husband, um, and my husband was not living in New York at the time, so I knew that when we got married, we were going to move. And what ended up happening is we got married, we moved to San Francisco, and I had to kind of start over with, okay, my, my finance career, essentially. And I ended up keeping, um, keeping on that finance track because I never really figured out what I wanted to do besides finance. And I thought, again, okay, let me find an industry that I really enjoy, that I can connect with. I wish I could have stayed with entertainment because at that time I really enjoyed it, but there wasn't much of that in San Francisco. So... Um, working with a recruiter, I got the call to work for an apparel retail company. And at that point, when I was in discussions, I thought, oh, shopping. I love to shop. <laughs> I love clothes. This could work. Uh, so for me, industry, right, and connection to industry was really important. And that was a primary um, sort of priority for me. So I ended up, you know, going in at an analyst level. I took a little bit of a step back, but I figured, you know what, let me get in. Let me learn the business from the grounds up. Um, and, you know, and see how things go. So I ended up getting into corporate finance um, in a apparel retailer out in San Francisco, starting at a senior analyst level. And I had that mentality again, okay, I don't want to be in finance, but once I'm in the company, I will see what I really want to do and maybe I'll move into something else. Um, but as time passed, I was really enjoying what I did in finance because I realized Within um, the company I was working for, finance was involved in all aspects of the business and could influence all aspects of the business. So for me, I thought, you know, okay, what do I really love? I love this industry. I love this business. And if I can influence this business from the finance seat, then I have no reason to move into another um, function. So I continued to stay on that finance track, and I just kind of climbed the corporate ladder, getting more responsibility, new responsibility, um, and that's kind of where I stayed. And then eventually I got to the point of, okay, where do I go? What's the next logical sort of goal, like career goal for me within retail, within finance? And it was eventually I set that goal for myself that I wanted to become a CFO which I was able to accomplish in 2012, which ended up kind of shifting everything for me in terms of me really questioning, is this really what I wanted to do forever? Wow. So a couple things, Rana. One is I appreciate that it sounds like to me you dove into your work life from like a career vantage point versus a job or a calling. You were looking to build a place where you could be successful and build skills, et cetera, which I totally understand and, and respect and appreciate. And I also appreciate that somewhere along the line, things began to change for you. And so I want to understand what happened for you in your life and your career that had you start looking for your purpose. Yeah, well, I would say the biggest catalyst for change um, for me was actually a very positive change. 
Um, and it was in 2012 where I had the opportunity to take a CFO role um, in apparel retailer coming back to the East Coast because I wanted to come back to the East Coast because I had children and all of our family was on the East Coast. Um, and so when this opportunity came into my hands and it happened fairly quickly and unexpectedly and actually much sooner um, than I would have anticipated if, you know, one were to follow a, a normal sort of career track. So when this happened, um, it shook me in a very positive way. There was something that I knew that I had done um, internally, right? I had this sense if there was something in terms of the way I was thinking about it, the way I was feeling inside, what I believed that allowed this to manifest in my life. And then I immediately thought to myself, wow, you know, if I can manifest this in my life, what else could I really, what else could I manifest for myself that would actually be much more fulfilling and make me much more, you know, more happier or happier than I had been? And could it look very different than what I had been doing the last 20 years? So once that thought was planted in my head, um, I became a bit obsessed about going, you know, doing some real deep sort of personal work, um, really in order to discover what, what was it that I really wanted to do and what was my purpose. And so I actually, you know, I think starting in 2012, I started to do a lot of sort of like reading a lot of books, um, talking to people, going on, you know, retreats, going to workshops. And I was really sort of determined to figure out what is it that I really wanted to create in my life? And so along this, this journey of like personal development and personal growth, um, I started to, you know, I started to come across information that was so profound and life-changing for me. And it was really this idea that we do have this power to create what we want in our lives and it's really the power of our own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs when they're in alignment can manifest wonderful things in our lives. And so what I was learning was really, really resonating for me. And, and I started to sort of test out consciously creating things in my life. And as I was seeing how I was able to impact sort of my external reality by changing what I was thinking and feeling on the inside, it just, it was just life-changing for me. It was life-changing. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's kind of what really, you know, started, was the catalyst for me to move into a completely different, you know, sort of career in my life was just me learning about these different concepts that no one ever taught me growing up um, and me just trying them myself to discover my own power. And while I was discovering this, it just gave me the confidence to trust that I could do something very different. Oh my gosh, Rhonda, that is all so delicious. And I hope our listeners are hanging on every single last word that you said because it's so compelling and so inspiring. And what it sounds like to me is you have found your purpose. Do you feel like you have or you're on your path? Where do you think you're at? I feel like I'm on my path. And that's what's exciting because, you know, when you build a career, a 20 plus year career on following one track, right? And one way of being, um, in a lot of ways, things feel very known to you, right? Things you kind of know, like I go from this step to this step to this step. And now when I've completely shifted, I feel like I'm completely on the path that I'm supposed to be on, um, which feels really exciting. And it's, 
And it's um, what I find also really exciting. It's, it's um, everything is new and I'm learning new things and being guided to new things and doing new things. So yeah, it's been really great. Mm, well, you just your energy, it tells me that you're in a great space. So let's talk about your book a little bit. First, I want to understand, since I'm writing my own book, I, it's no small feat, and it is coming out this year, but yours is out. So why did you write the book, and what do you hope readers get from it? Yeah, well, I wrote this book because, like I said, I was coming across all of this information that was so profound and life-changing for me and so powerful that I just felt like I needed to get it all down in one place as an easy reference. So it's, it's just to have something that would continuously keep me on track and remind me of my own power to create my reality. And what was really interesting was that I've never had a desire to write a book. I actually didn't even think I was a writer. You know, if I, if I look back to the choices I made, this choice to go into finance was because anything related to writing <laughs> English or any of that wasn't even a choice for me because I didn't believe I was any good at it. So when I started to get feel this desire sort of in my soul that I, uh, that I wanted to write this book, uh, for me, I knew that the only way I could write this book is if I believed I could. And for a long time, I didn't believe I could do that because I had a conditioned belief that I could not. So I actually spent a year and a half just building up a belief. But when I, when I had the belief, the book essentially read its, uh, wrote itself, um, and I was done with it in two months. And I knew that I wanted it out within the year, which it was. And so for me... Um, you know, I wrote this book because I felt like it was something that I just wanted to share for anybody who is open to it because I really felt like it would be such a benefit as it has been to me. You know, it would be a benefit to my children. Um, and, you know, my desire, and I say it in the book, my desire is that it would inspire others to sort of embrace their own power to create their reality. Mm, I'm right in the space with you, as you know, which is probably why we found each other. We are on the same sort of energy energy paint pattern, I would say, or, or yeah, yield, definitely. if you will. Yes. Yeah, right. And so let's first talk. We have to, we've got to grab a break here in just a second, but we've got time for one question around the book. I want to start with the first chapter that you wrote, which was incredibly intriguing. And you talk about how our inner world creates our outer world and that everything in our world is energetically and spiritually connected, profound, love. Love it, agree, but will you say more about this? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I had heard our inner world creates our, our uh, outer world, and intellectually, I'm like, okay, sounds nice, but I didn't really get it, and for anyone to really understand it, it really is this experience of being aware, so if you think about it, if everything is energy, right, and, and we are energy, and, and so what this means is that our energy influences and attracts our energy outside of us. So if you want to create something positive, then you're having to align your internal energy. Are you thinking positively? Or do you feel positively? Are your beliefs about yourself or what you desire um, positive beliefs, beliefs that support you? And when you get your inner being to feel positive and directed to something you desire, that attracts positive things on your on the outside now it sounds a little you know people say woo woo. I, I, I don't 
understand why it's woo-woo because these days it's becoming more commonplace to understand that everything is energy. Therefore, the energy within us hugely influences everything outside of us. Mm. I, I I incredibly get that as well, Rhonda, because I work in the purpose space, and purpose is definitely rooted in energy. So I really understand where you're coming from. Can't wait to learn more, but let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Rhonda Zia, who is the author of the book, Your Hidden Light, a personal guide to creating your desired life. She is a former CFO, having spent 20 years in corporate finance, working for large Fortune 500 companies. She joins us today from Wyckoff, New Jersey. We've been talking about her earlier career how she got into finance and what began her march away from it stay with us we'll be right back Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Rana Zia, who is the author of the book, Your Hidden Light, a personal guide to creating your desired life. She is a former CFO, having spent 20 years in corporate finance America, working for large Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Rhonda, before we get back into the content, I wanted to share with our listeners what you and I were speaking about on the break. And I, I was saying to, to you, Rhonda, that I, I want to thank you for coming into my life and for writing this book because it is mattering to me. It's inspiring me to stay true on my path. I'm up to a fair amount this year in 2019, writing my first full book and creating some other programs, online offerings, etc. And I want you to know that your work has helped give me some real spark. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, let's continue into the into our conversation about the book. But before we do, I want to sort of just present something here. I thought about this as I was reading your, your work. Um, and I certainly get the whole notion of energies and uh, combining and, and coalescing um, and us being able to create the lives that we want. And then it occurred to me to think of the people that maybe have gone through some awful disability or injury and I wonder if you've got a perspective on how their energy might be connected to that experience yeah you know the way I look at any sort of challenge because we we all have challenges that we go through things that we would say we never asked for it um why did this happen etc and you know when you're doing this work and I truly believe it's a discipline and a practice to, to, to focus yourself in a disciplined way on what are the thoughts that serve me. So when I find myself in a difficult situation or a challenge, of course you're going to go through these emotions that are negative and you kind of have to let them go and, and get out of your body because if you try to resist any sort of you know, negative things that come 
at, you know, come up in your body, the more you resist something, the more you attract something. So you have to just realize you're human and let that energy sort of flow out any of those negative emotions. And for me, and I talk about in my book, the power of polarity and that how everything, every opposite is connected. So you can't have good without bad, right? Or perceived good without perceived bad. You can't have up without down. So when you're faced with a challenge, your challenge is connected energetically to opportunity. So any time that I felt like I like was in a situation or something happened to me that felt and I perceived it as a challenge or negative, in my heart, I knew that there in this moment was a seed of opportunity and that I, you know, had the right to receive the opposite of where I was at. And we do, we're able to do that. We just have to believe and focus in that moment of there's a purpose for this situation in my life. And this means that I'm, that something good is going to come out of it. Something really good is going to come out, even if you don't know what it is, but in, but putting that thought, that feeling and that true belief that out of this situation, something good is going to happen. You're automatically on your path of manifesting something positive. That has been my experience. Uh, uh, that is so empowering. And what I also hear and really want to presence for our listeners that I really appreciate being a social scientist and a researcher myself is that y- you have gone out there and really scaled uh, for wisdom and truth, looking to Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Aristotle, Gandhi, the and from the Talmud to the Bible, from Buddha to Jesus. And I really, really appreciate that, Rana. That is so impressive. And I think it's important that our listeners understand that you did that really wide swath of research. You know, no, I appreciate that. You know, it was, it was convincing myself as well. You know, I, I knew that I could experience, you know, my power. Everybody has this ability. And we all know deep down, or we all know deep down that, We've impacted certain situations. We've created certain situations. But this idea of consciously doing it, I needed convincing in a lot of ways. And my own personal experience is the most important. But knowing that so many um, spiritual teachers and philosophers and you know, all these people that we look up to were saying the same thing. To me, it just, you know, helped me build a belief because in this work, right, the core of it is to believe, to believe because that is foundational because that is your, your deepest thoughts are your beliefs. So, I, you know, I appreciate that you mentioned all of the people that I was referencing in the book, you know, it, it's to show that this is just not, this is something that's been around forever, but not everybody is consciously doing Right, right. You've given us access, though, in the way you've written your book, though, Rana, that makes it easy to digest and embrace. And, and, and as I said at the beginning of the show, I want my listeners every week to walk away with something that they can immediately put to use. And so we're getting there. And so the next thing I want to talk about, and I realize you could really go on for this, so I, we've, we've got to be somewhat brief about it and maybe just give some pearls to start. But how do we start to create who we want to be? Well, yeah, we can probably go on <laughs> forever. <laughs> you know, for, for me, what I did, and I believe is foundational, is meditation. You know, a lot of people talk about meditation these days. And why meditation, the practice, 
um, has become so powerful for me is that meditation I look at as a, a, a way to build up your mental muscle. Because the first time you ever, you know, you meditate, you do see, you become aware, you become aware of all the chatter that lives in our minds. And I, and I became so aware of like, oh my gosh, my mind runs crazy. And the more aware I became of my own thoughts, the more I realized how many thoughts just don't serve me. Now, if I believe my thoughts, my feelings, and my beliefs create my reality, I needed to manage my thinking and become more aware of what I was thinking and feeling more often. So it's just this building of awareness. So, I, you know, I really, really recommend that people start a meditation practice, even a simple one, a, you know, a 10-minute guided meditation. It's very hard to go from no meditating to, to just trying to clear your mind. But if you sit with a guided meditation, you start to build awareness. You start to go inside. And when you do that, you, you start to... Um, eliminate the chatter and when you start to eliminate that chatter and you get to a place that's when your body's very calm very relaxed that's the magical space because within that space you can set an intention and you can come out of your meditation and you can experience in your day which I was that I was able to manifest these intentions so that that's that I believe is um a way that people can start to test for themselves how how to create things and you know just simple little things in your own life. Mm, that that is so accessible, Rana. Thank you. I love that. And I I don't know if you would consider um, a, a sixty or ninety minute Bikram yoga class meditation, but I put it into that camp for a certain for a certain level. And and I do. I'm aware of that chatter you're talking about, whether it's inside my own head or outside in the class. And sometimes it's deafening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely deafening. And there are times, you know, there are times in my life where things I'd be there would be so much loud, you know, mind chatter and just negative thoughts that even sitting down to do a meditation would be extremely difficult for me. So meditation comes in different forms. I would absolutely say yoga is a form of meditation. Taking a walk to clear your mind is a form of meditation. So if I can't meditate, then I have to get up and kind of do things. You know, I have to go out and maybe take a walk to clear my mind. It is really the practice of clearing that mind chatter, calming your body. And when you're calm... That's when inspiration comes to you. That's when you can hear your intuition, right? That's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that this wasn't what's been happening for me as well. And to that end, this may be related. I really resonated and loved your your idea of cosmic consciousness. Um, for me, that gets to everything being interthreaded and interconnected. And I know you'll say more about that. But I want you to tell us, if you will, what you what you mean by this concept and why you think it's important understanding how to create the life that we want. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. When I was writing this book, it, was, it is a book on the power to manifest and the step-by-step process by which you can use to manifest positive things in your life. So my analytical brain was like trying to break it down to very simple, straightforward steps to manifest things. You know, these are the steps that worked really well for me, <laughs> right? So I'm doing that. And in this sort of process I was going through of learning these things and experiencing it, I would always ask, why does this work? 
wait, why does this really work? How am I able to do this and create? Like, why? And so as I was kind of going deep into my own work of understanding, I realized that everything in the material world is connected, directly connected to the spiritual world. So everything in the spiritual world creates everything in the physical world. So cosmic consciousness, as I talk about it in the book, is this consciousness, right? It's this universal source energy. Some people call it God. It is the power and energy that permeates throughout everything. And when I say everything, that means you and I, right? And so... So it's this powerful source energy that we're all connected to. So we are connected to the source of every, you know, this the the source of of the creator of everything, which is huge. It is huge, right? So that's what I mean by it is being connected to something bigger than ourselves, something that is unseen, but in which everything gets created. And the way we tap into that energy of cosmic consciousness is through the power of our thoughts. It is through the vibration within our body, right? And our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs all create vibrations. And that vibration is a language in the universe that connects to this cosmic web, and, and we all, I think, deep down have experienced this, right? We, we know that there's connection. We know that in nature, everything is connected. We've all had those experiences of we're thinking about somebody and then they send us a text or we get a phone call. We think it's coincidence. But in reality, there is no coincidence. It's we are all connected. Mm, you know I love every single last drop of this, Rana. Thank you. And and also the other thing that I really want to surface to talk about next, which you've been kind of queuing up already, is as someone who is a fanatic fan of language, I love the English language, Spanish, Portuguese, English, French, or Italian, French. Um, you talk about how our spoken words are sounds that reflect our thoughts. I love that sounds that reflect our thoughts. So, will you say a little bit about how the power we about the power we can harness with the words we use and how we use them? Yeah, no, absolutely. When I sort of discovered discovered this, when I say discovered, you know, it's information that's out there. But when I first learned about this, I it, it really rang true for me, and it was this idea, right, that our our words reflect our thoughts, and therefore. Um, reflect our beliefs, create a vibration which creates our reality. So we have to be very conscious of what we are saying. So for example, it's as simple as saying what you want versus saying what you don't want. You know, a lot of times, you know, we don't want to be sick, right? So I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. That's saying what we don't want. And in that context, right, the, what you're putting out is this fear of being sick. So you're emanating this negative vibration, which kind of goes out into the cosmic consciousness. And what do you receive back? You, you know, you're, you're more likely to experience what you don't want. So instead, being conscious of always understanding, even though it's difficult, right, so as best as you can, Clearly stating what it is you want. I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. It feels very different in your own body when you say healthy versus sick. Absolutely. Right? 
Right. So it, it's being um, very conscious of the words that we say and how we say them. And, and because even if you say something negative, you know, we're all so used to kind of bonding on things we don't like. You know, sometimes that's the place where we can connect, you know, complain about the weather, complain about our boss, complain about what have you. And it could be really, you know, cathartic. We could just get in there and complain. But, and, and there's times we got to do that, right? We got to let it all out. But know that once it's let it out, release it. But if you dwell in it, it's just going to make you feel bad. It's going to make you feel negative and bad. And when you feel bad, you're not going to experience anything good. So to be conscious that the words that you, you, you put out there are the words that you're going to get back. And also, just on the, you know, we could talk about this for a while, <laughs> a while too, but words also can help you build a new sort of um, internal belief about something. And that's why affirmations are, are tools that people use in this creation process to build a new belief about yourself. Like saying things like, I am worthy, I am brave, I am beautiful. We're not used to saying positive things, right, about ourselves. And we usually feel really negative things about ourselves. We're usually hard on ourselves. But the more you use words, because words are powerful, to build belief, the quicker you're going to see that you're attracting and you're creating more positive things in your life. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. We're going to take us into our last break here before we come back. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We were on the air with Rana Zia, who is the author of the book, Your Hidden Light, A Personal Guide to Creating Your Desired Life. She's a former CFO, having spent 20 years in corporate finance, working for large Fortune 500 companies. She, she joins us today from Wyckoff, New Jersey. After the break, we're going to continue the conversation about her book. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Rana Zia. She is the author of the book, Your Hidden Light, A Personal Guide to Creating Your Desired Life. She is a former CFO, having spent 20 years in corporate finance, working for large Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Rana, before the break, we were talking a bit more about the items in your book that I particularly gravitated to. And the next thing I want to talk about that I found really interesting, and I've never heard anybody else actually describe it the way that you have, is you talk about how negative emotions operate on a low frequency while positive ones operate in a high frequency. Can you say more about this? And really what I'm interested in is as how and why this phenomenon matters to living in our emotions to create the lives that we want. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have a whole chapter on emotions and the power of emotions. So emotions are energy that we physically feel, right? So they, again, represent our thoughts, and it's an expression of our thoughts in our body, how we physically feel. And so because emotions are also energy, and energy creates a vibration, not all emotions are created equally. So negative emotions are a lower vibration, and we feel that in our body because low vibration emotions make us feel bad, right? They bring us down. Think about that, right? So mm-hmm. when you feel bad, you're kind of down. You know, higher vibration emotions, positive emotions, you know, feelings of passion, gratitude, love, these are really high emotions. They make you feel good. And some people even say they can get high, right? When they feel good, they feel high, natural highs. So as you go up the emotional scale, right, of energy, the highest emotion being love. It's a very high frequency and gratitude is right below that it's the gateway to love how do you how do you immediately get yourself in a good place well start to think of things you're grateful for and you'll immediately start to feel good and so when you want to manifest something in your life you easily manifest things when you're in this higher vibration because that high vibration is what really connects you to this cosmic consciousness right people people talk about love is all there is Right, God is love. Love is all all there is. And if you think about this all in terms of energy, it's the energy and vibration of love that is the most powerful creative force in the universe. So why shouldn't we be able to harness that creative force ourselves to create wonderful things in our life? And yes, we can do that. And that's by... By keeping ourselves as best as we can consciously in those higher vibrational states. Mm. That was so crisp and easy to follow, Rana. Thank you for that. I love how you gave us access to that. I followed that entirely and got even deeper access than what I got from the book. So thank you. And you probably were starting to say some of this, but the next thing I wanted to ask you, just again, to give our listeners something they could really walk away with for to be able to put into practice today, is you describe a, a four-step creation process and how it, how it works to help us create the lives that we want. Can you just sort of briefly cover that four-step process? Yeah, no, absolutely. So the four-step creation process, it's the same process to create anything in your life, whether it's something very small or a bigger change in your life, like I did, trying, you know, changing careers. Um, and and so the step one in the process is first starting with a thought. What is it that you want to create? What is your thought? What is your desire? What is your goal? What is your intention? Right? So create an intention. And also, when you create your desire, your goal, the next thing you have to ask yourself in step one is, do I believe it is possible for me? Because without the belief, you can't get past step one. You can't. Because then it just becomes a wish, right? So you want to create a powerful intention that you believe in. And once you have that, step two is an emotion. It is infusing gratitude into your body. So what you're, you're doing is you're getting your body into a higher vibrational state. So be grateful. You know, initially you can be grateful for your desire as if you've already achieved it. You can say, I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. Thank you. 
and and you can move on. Or for some reason, if that's difficult to do, just get into whatever, you know, think about whatever you need to think about just to get yourself into that higher vibrational gratitude. So that's step two. Step three is detachment. So we can probably spend hours talking about detachment. And when you're trying to manifest something in your life that is very different than what you've ever experienced, detachment can sometimes be difficult. Um, but sometimes if you're trying to manifest something that you've experienced before and you know you can do it again, it may not be so difficult. So what detachment really is, is detaching from your desire on how it's going to happen for you. It is, one, a knowing that it will manifest for you, but it's not worrying about when it's going to come, how it's going to come, or why hasn't it come yet. So another way to think about detachment is a lot of times when we really want something, our body starts to tense up. It's like, I really, really want it. I really want it. And we feel strain. We feel stress. Our body feels in a state of unease. When you're detached, you're relaxed. You're like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And you're relaxed. There's a sense of ease. So detachment is putting your body in a state of ease. And in that place is where creation starts to happen. So once you detach right from it, step four is the place of action. So that's where you do things in line. I wanted to create a book. Well, I had to write it. But you're not, you shouldn't, shouldn't really start to action if you're in a place of unease, unease and stress, you're attached, you're way too attached. Your action will feel really, really hard. Your action will flow from that place of ease and that place of knowing. So those are the four steps. It's your, um, your thought with a belief, gratitude, detachment, and then action. Beautiful. So accessible. Thank you for that. And listeners, put that down and get to work. <laughs> um, and, you know, to make it a little simple, just really quickly, one way to test this out, because, you know, this could sound still sort of like, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, it can sound a little bit overwhelming. This is what I did to really sort of test out this process. And it's very simple. It could take this whole process could take 20 seconds. It's I would wake up in the morning. And I would have an intention for my day and say, okay, what do I want my day to be like? I want my day to be productive. Not all my days were productive. It wasn't something that happened all the time. But I knew it could happen if I wanted it to. So I I would intend a a productive day. I would believe it was possible. I would quickly say thank you for my productive day. And I would just not think about it anymore. And then I would go into my work day and do whatever I needed to do. Now, by the end of the day, I would come back and think, oh, my God, I was super productive. For me, that felt very much that I manifested that because I never felt like that every day. And the more I did that and the more I made slightly different intentions on a daily basis, intending something for a meeting that I was going into, intending how I wanted, you know, dinner with friends to be like, I would see for myself my, my power to, to create my reality. So it can literally be a 20-second process. Wow. That, that, was, that also gave me more to it. And the fact that we can actually do it in 20 seconds is incredibly encouraging. Thank you for that. 
Um, we're running close out of time here, Rona, so maybe I can get one or two more questions before we have to dash. But one of the other things that you, you talk about, which I find incredibly intriguing and compelling, is the idea of choice. So talk to us a little bit about how choice determines our reality. Yeah, so I, you know, I think about the world that we live in, right, is, is a world of infinite choices. We're always being presented with choices, right? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I take this job? Do I take that job? And it's our, it's our choices that create our reality. And so when we think about, um, you know, choices and creating a positive reality, for me, it is choosing um, the positive over the negative, if I'm experiencing something that um, that could be per- perceived right a certain a certain negative way, I may choose to think about it slightly different to change my experience of it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so I can give you like you know a, a quick story that I think I talk about it in in the book. Um, you know, my husband and I were on a trip together. I was on his work trip. He, you know, he was going to Portugal for his work trip and I tagged along with him. And the last night we were there, I wanted to go out and with people that I had met while he was working, you know, in the city. And I met some, um, some people and I wanted to meet out, meet out with them. And I wanted us to have a really fun last night in, um, in Portugal and my husband didn't want to. He just wanted a quiet night so we can get to the airport early so we could fly back home. But I kind of, con- you know, I convinced him otherwise. And we ended up staying out really, really late and having a really great time. Now, in the morning, we got very, very little sleep. And the next day, he realized he left his jacket somewhere in the middle of the night. And he was really, really, really upset about that. Really angry. And at me, you know, blaming me. And, and at that point, I... I was, I was literally like, okay, this could go in a really bad place. You know, we could, we're both tired. We could be fighting this. I could just play out the whole scenario in my head. Like, we're not going to talk on the airplane. We're going to be miserable, tired. Oh my God. And my head could go down this total negative path. And I knew his head was going there too. And so I did whatever I could to sort of change the story in my head. And how can I, how can I just practice going against where I would normally go in all my years of marriage and just spin this story in my head. And so I started to chalk this whole situation up as can't we just laugh about it? Can't we just think of it as a fun night out? And so when my husband and I finally kind of talked at the airport, I threw that out to him. I just said, you know what? Why can't we just feel good that at our age we can still hang out with people half our age and stay out all night, have a great time, and it'll be a funny story when we get home. And it calmed both of us down. And so it's this idea of choosing a different story, choosing a different perspective, choosing a different lens. And at that point, I felt like for the first time, you know, we were able to shift pretty quickly into a different space. And instead of going down a negative path, we were able to kind of just be on a positive one. Mm. Yes, that story is in your book, by the way, Rana. So thank you for that. And way to illustrate just the power we have to create the realities that we want for ourselves. Beautiful story. And here we are at the very close already. So I'd like to give my guests the last word, if you, if you will, Rana. So in, say, 30 seconds or less, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? 
Well, I, I would say I can leave you with one more thing really quickly that's very easy to do in terms of just manifesting positive things very quickly. It is to wake up or go to bed, whatever time you choose, with thinking about things that you're grateful for. I talk about the power of gratitude in my book, and and it's very easy to do because there's something that we're all grateful for. So I would just suggest tomorrow morning, wake up, first thing in the morning, list as many things in your mind that you're grateful for and start your day and see if your day shifts in a positive way. Beautiful way to finish, Rana. Thank you so much for joining me. You were a delight and a tremendous help. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. This is really fun. You're welcome. If you want to learn more about Rana Zia or her book, Your Hidden Your Hidden Light, A Personal Guide to Creating Your Desired Life, or the work she's up to in workshops and programs, visit her website. It's yourhiddenlight.com. If you missed last week's show, we can always schedule a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Nick Craig. He's the CEO of Cord Leadership. We talked about his latest book, Leading from Purpose. And next week, we'll be on the air with Dr. Trillian Small, talking about overcoming the fear of love, where she provides a psychological and neurological perspective of fear, particularly as it relates to love. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>